With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth story podcast. This is season six, episode 10. I'm Immortal Alexander. And I'm Jeanette Andromeda. Our guest today is Scott Goudsward. Scott is an author and the coordinator for the New England Horror Writers Association. Our topic for today is how do you navigate conventions as a writer? We are super allergy ridden today, but we're going to press forward irregardless. It's NaNoWriMo month and we are super pumped. So welcome Scott Goudsward to the Ninth Story Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm very glad that you took some time in between all of your conventioning to tell us more about how to convention today. Um, (laughs) But before we get into that, uh, can you tell us and our audience a little bit more about yourself and your work? Uh, I've been been writing for about 25 years. I I have uh, two small press novels out. Uh, I have edited or co-edited about, I want to say, six or seven anthologies, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm currently working on three more, which... Are still in the uh, planning process, I guess. Uh, I've also written, I want to say, five non-fic books with my brother, mm-hmm. and I'm currently one of the uh, coordinators of New England Horror Writers. Beautiful. Um, particularly, your uh, non-fiction books have been in my Kindle, screaming at me for me to listen to them for a while, or r- not listen, but read them for a while. So I'm looking forward to a little downtime so I can actually read them all because. Especially the Florida one, um, yep. the hauntings. Of, it's hauntings of Florida, correct? Um, kind of. It they're they're geographical indexes to where horror is set. So gotcha. it's it's not going to tell you what haunted house or haunted trail or haunted alligator to go look at. It's going to tell <laughs> you like where short stories and novels and movies take place in uh, filming locations. And we we do put in a, a little bit of folklore and a mm-hmm. little bit of quote unquote true hauntings and a lot of famous deaths. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to explore it because it is. It's kind of like going on, on a little uh, little walking tour of various places around the world. Well, the U.S. at the moment. <laughs> uh, it's going to stay in the U.S. I, awesome. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, right now we're at three books. We, we just released the, the third one back in back in May. Mm-hmm. So it's a horror guide to northern New England. So it's got um, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine in it. Awesome. And I kind of took a step back so I could start working fiction again. Mm-hmm. Though I do kind of miss working on the books, but um, so David is doing the the uh, next two books, which I believe are the last two, depending how motivated he gets. <laughs> uh, he's doing Pennsylvania, which is going to be about I'm going to say at least two and a half years, three years out, just because of the the vast amount of stuff out there. Yeah. And then Connecticut and Rhode Island, which I'm pushing him to get released for uh, Necronomicon in 2019. Nice. That would be really cool. That would be good, and it might actually, you know, drag him out of his cave and uh, <laughs> make him be 
vaguely social and maybe sell some books. Yay! Yes. <laughs> vaguely social. <laughs> That's a good way to be. <laughs> oh, so Scott, what can you tell us about the New England Horror Writers Association? You know, how long it's been around and, and what you know about it? Uh, the NEHW, because I'm just going to hyphenate it because it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we started in 2001. Um, we were originally a regional chapter of the HWA, the Horror Writers Association, which is on hwa.org. They're the, the big national and international group. And one day they decided they didn't want any more regional chapters, and they kind of just kind of shrugged them off. Huh. And I know a, a bunch of the chapters kind of disbanded, and uh, the guys who were running it at the time kept going. And, uh, you know, 16 years later, we're, we're still going strong. That's amazing. How long have you have you personally been part of it? Um, I honestly I have no clue. Um, <laughs> I, I I've been kind of co-running it with uh, Dan Cohane and David Price for I want to say going on four and a half five years, and I probably was on the uh, quote unquote board of extra votes needed for about a year before that. Mm-hmm. But but for that I was just like a regular old old fashioned dude. You know, I was just a member of it and. Probably, I want to say 15 years, maybe, maybe less than that. That's awesome. So this has been a big part of your life for a while then, yeah? Yeah, it has. It's, it's, right now it's taking up a lot of my time. <laughs> I can imagine being the coordinator for all of this would get to be kind of a full-time job by the sounds of it. Yeah, the, the, the conventions of, I'm hoping are, are going to cut down a bit next year since I'm, I'm, I'm the fool who chooses them. <laughs> and I've literally, I've already got a list of like a dozen and a half shows I need to just kind of sort through and figure out which ones I want to do and don't do. Mm-hmm. So when, especially since you're going to have to pick which ones, like what goes into you deciding which conventions are going to be the best ones to go to? Uh, I try to look for book-like conventions. And I also try to look for like, like I'm going to call them like pop culture conventions that mm-hmm. Are sort of regional. Uh, we we don't venture outside of New England. We probably should start, but right now I'm kind of hanging close to the six states. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, Necronomicon we will do un, until it crashes and burns, or we crash and burn. I'm hoping <laughs> that neither one of us crash and burn. Yeah. Uh, we did it last year. Was it this year? It's this year. And you know, we, we there was a good turnout. There's a lot of books moved. Um, nice. A lot, a lot of talking horror, a lot of talking Lovecraft, you know, just, just planning new stuff. Um, I would like to try to do uh, ReaderCon one day. Ooh, that'd be cool. I, I've been there a couple times. I, I haven't actually been in the in the uh, the, the dealer side of it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly I just go and I hang out with friends. And there's usually some drinking involved, but we won't go there. <laughs> You're a writer. It's kind of expected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, we we do Nikon, which is a it, it's a small convention down in Rhode Island. It's only like a, it's got a two hundred person cap on it. Wow. The it's not really for book sales. It's more for just you know networking and and, and talking to other writers and hanging out and again more more drinking. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be the the first year and I want to say five years I haven't had a table there, so that's gonna be kind of weird. You'll just get to wander. <laughs> I'm going to get to wander. I'm going to get to talk to people. I'm going to go to go some panels and uh, maybe sleep in. Whoa. <laughs> so it's like a vacation then. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, <laughs> it's a vacation. We, we've done that for Rock and Shock because some years we uh, – our first time attending Rock and Shock, we actually had a booth for a uh, YouTube channel we used to have. 
And uh, then after that, we decided it'd be better off if we just walked around because we were getting more out of the social interaction by actually moving around than oh, yeah. being locked into one place for I mean, what we were trying right. to do. That's how we met you was during that's that wander met- around portion. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I love Rock and Shock. I, I don't make a lot of money there. The group doesn't move a lot of books, but I, I will be there every year that they have me. I love that show. I've been going for, uh, I think this year was, was the 12th year I've gone to it. Wow. It's such a and fun convention. It is. I mean, it's it's not huge, and it's it's horror and rock and roll, and I'm sure if I had tattoos, I'd, I'd be more interested in that, but I don't. <laughs> and you know, in the the 12 years I've I've been going, I've gone to one of their concerts out of God knows how many bands that they've had. Yeah, I I find I do the same thing when we're there. We're just kind of wandering around talking to people in the dealer's den. Like I think I've made it to maybe two panels, which is terrible, and like one show. <laughs> well, it, it's it's kind of sad because the only panels I really go to are the ones that we're involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, we started getting people together for they've been doing like a Saturday morning writers um, panel which usually has like Joe Netter and uh, uh, Jack Ketchum in it. And then we normally backfill some of the seats on it. And then a f- couple of years ago, we started doing a, a writing workshop there. We, we've had sporadic uh, attendance to it, but you know, it, it's a lot of fun talking to people about writing. Mm-hmm. Um, being an author and getting the word out about your work can be a daunting task. Why should authors attend or participate in conventions? Uh, networking and more networking and <laughs> hopefully getting and meeting new fans. Um, you Once you start doing shows, you start to learn the pacing of them and what you want to do and not do. Like you don't want to jump up and down on people say, hey, here's my book. It's the best book ever written. You should buy it right now because mm-hmm. you're going to scare away potential customers. Um, also, by doing shows, you learn how you want to have your booth or your, your your table set up. And like I said, I've been doing Rock and Shock for 12 years. And this year, I think I finally figured out how I want the table set up finally. Nice. <laughs> but, you know, it's d- depending on how many people you have with you, you can put out your own swag, um, you know, bookmarks or, or uh, business cards, um, get some paper out there, start, a, start up a mailing list and get back going, collect names and email addresses. You know, and if they like it, you know, give them a little piece of candy or something to, mm-hmm. to motivate them to be on your mailing list. Um, what are some of the most important things to bring with you when working at a convention, like when you have a booth? Um, you need a booth buddy. You need a table mm-hmm. buddy in case you've got to hit the restroom. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, just kind of sitting there jumping up and down and, and twitching <laughs> until someone shows up that, you know, until you can leave. <laughs> Most shows offer like uh, like like volunteers to come watch your table for a few minutes, so that's pretty cool. Nice. But I'm going to say the number one thing you want to bring is a pair of comfortable shoes. That's a good point. <laughs> um, realistically, the the table is going to come with two chairs. They're standard convention flare folding chairs, which are wicked uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, bring a, a pair of, of comfortable shoes um, if you can find them. You can get, I'm not sure what the actual term is, but you can get foam pads to lay down in front of your table so you're actually standing on foam instead of uh, concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, bring books. Bring. Make sure they're in good condition. You want to you wanna make a nice display for people. Um, if you just throw stuff out on the table, it's going to look like it's kind of half-assed, <laughs> which is what you don't want to do. 
Yeah. Uh, buy easels. Uh, you can get get them on on uh, Amazon. Four for ten bucks. Don't ask me the manufacturer because I can't think of it right now. <laughs> uh, you want to get a credit card reader because everyone is coming with credit cards. Ninety uh, percent of them are free, and they go right to through your phone or your, your tablet to your account, and they take off like a small amount, small small percentage, because they've got to pay for their bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring change if if you can bring it in. Bring snacks. Like I said, otherwise you're going to be sitting there starving and probably, you know, like grouching at people because you don't have anything to eat or, or, <laughs> or drink. I don't I've even want you like to that. buy my book. I need a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Stand here. Look at the books. I'm getting some water. <laughs> so, you know, not, not for not for pretty much every show. I'll, I'll, I'll show up like a small cooler. I'll have uh, four or five bottles of water, a couple of cans of soda and a couple of sandwiches mm-hmm. just in case I can't get from the table. That makes sense. So you've done a lot of conventions just just even just talking to you for a little bit um but in general what has been your uh, experience going to conventions as an author specifically um if if i'm just doing it it's solo it's 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 different because i really don't have anyone to kind of to play off of for lack of a better term but still you know if you're doing a, a show like a like a big author show like there's, there's one in um in danvers i i, I do fairly regularly yeah. It's it's more of a networking show, but when people do come in, you want to make sure that you're you're talking to them, not at them. Mm-hmm. Make eye contact, put down your phone or or your tablet, and actually talk to them. And you know, push your other authors because in most cases, if you push them someplace, the other authors might push them back to you at a, at a later date. Nice. What was the name of the uh, the Danvers convention? Uh, New England Authors Expo. Okay. It's at the actually it's at the Danversport Yacht Club. Uh, I want to say towards the end of July. It's run by a guy named Chris Obert, who runs uh, Pear Tree Publishing. Okay. And and he's been doing that show. I want to say for like like five or six years, awesome. maybe a little bit longer than that. Scott, um, what have been some of the effective ways you've used to promote your books? Well, I'm I'm mostly a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no that that works, I guess. Thing. Yeah, very old, very old profession. I'll, I'll I'll go on 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 tangents, just you know, just uh, spamming it on on Facebook and, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I'll try to do a different book every night. Mm-hmm. So one night I'm doing a novel, the next night I'm doing a nonfic, the next night I'm doing an anthology. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, like I'm a measure member of like I want to say like forty or fifty different Facebook groups. So I try not to get too overbearing in them, mm-hmm. but I'll you know I do that. I I, I tweet the books. Um, we do local readings. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna we're gonna be at Pandemonium in uh, in Cambridge. We're we're promoting the uh, the new NEHW book, Wicked Haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this week we've been doing um, live readings on on Facebook Live. That's part of the promotions. Um, and you know, go on blog tours, update your blogs. My 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 blog is terrible. I actually deleted it about a month ago because so it, it was so bad. Oh no. <laughs> um, you can do shows, and you know, if you're doing shows, you need really need to pick them. I I, I just do all of them. <laughs> um, as far as promotions goes, too, you do podcasts, do video casts. Um, if if your town has like a local cable TV station that talks to people. Or interviews them, you know, go on that a couple of times if, if you can. 
you know, you just got to kind of put yourself out there and, you know, spread yourself as thin as you can without without pissing people off, I guess, because <laughs> you're you're everywhere all the time. So since you're you're really just like a promotion machine for yourself um, and putting yourself out there and your work out there in all of these different ways, do you find that you personally are naturally kind of extroverted or is this something that you've really had to work on being more comfortable with? Um, I've definitely had to work at work this. I, I am generally in, in an introverted person. And I, I think once you start doing them, it, it becomes easier to talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, it's a matter of either, you know, talking to someone. I, I know there's, there's been a couple of shows I've, I've been to where I've actually shaken candy at people and that kind of, kind of brings them over the table, too. Yeah, but it's it's if you're with people, I, I find it's easier to step out of the introverted role and become more extroverted, mm-hmm. where you can actually talk to people and you know chat up your stuff or just chat about writing. When a lot of times when, when people come to your booth or your table, whether it's you know whether it's Rock and Shock or you're at a library, they they want to know more about writing, and if you can talk about it to them. That'll, you know, keep their interest and hopefully keep them reading. Yeah, I as that one time that we did an actual booth was the most awkward thing ever. It's mm-hmm. just like sitting there and waiting. It's like, hey, you want to? T- no. OK, I'm sorry. I made eye contact. Um, <laughs> it's it's so awkward. So I can totally see how having like a group of people with you would really improve the experience and make it less intimidating for both the people walking by yeah. and for you to actually start the conversation. So that that makes a lot of sense to go in packs like that. And, and the good thing is, too, is that when, when you're doing um, you know a show with groups of people, they're usually people you know who you're friends with. Mm-hmm. So you're not as nervous as kind of just being there hanging out by, by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the, the good thing is if you're and you know about being there and hanging up by yourself is if you're going to play that card uh you can also maybe get a little writing done that is true mm-hmm. you could just chill and do some writing like, hey exactly. what are you writing oh well let me tell you all about it <laughs> i did that at um new hampshire comic-con aka granicon um <laughs> it was it was kind of a slow show so i just i got you know tired of kind of standing up and trying to make eye contact and be all cheerful so I just kind of sat down and and I wrote for a couple hours so did Didn't you at least get some good writing done um I won't know I'm not sure about good but <laughs> I got the writing done uh, I, I, you I was know. doing it all by hand so it's was, it was kind of hard transcribing it yeah <laughs> I understand that I definitely but prefer it, to write on my computer oh yeah it, it's so much better <laughs> well I can read this and I know how many pages instead of what is this garbled nonsense? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we actually had a hard time uh, with our booth and we were just we weren't even selling anything. We were giving everything away, (laughs) which we had (laughs) a free product, which was our YouTube, our web series on YouTube. So that was something we're not charging for. And then we were what we did was we were doing uh, prosthetics on people like if you. Um, you can get a free prosthetic and a free t-shirt. So you have to wear the t-shirt in order to get the prosthetic. So we get the t-shirt on them and then we have their ear for 10 minutes or 15 minutes when we're doing the prosthetic application. And so we just right. tell them about our web series for the whole time. And then they'd walk around. Now they're a walking, talking billboard for what we we were promoting, which was, you know, I, I think it was pretty effective, but it was, you know, it was still a difficult sell. It was kind sell. of a backwards way to do things. But it was still a difficult <laughs> sell. We've learned a lot. <laughs> it was still a difficult sell because we we're like, 
even with something where we're giving free candy, free shirts, free, you know, uh, prosthetic on your face. And it was still hard to get people <laughs> into our booth. Yeah, it's it's with Rock and Shock. It's it really is weird. Um, yeah. What what we've just started doing was rather than have a have the uh, the booth lined with tables. Mm-hmm. So normally we'd have three tables. We'd have one table on the left side, the right side and one one in the back. And in back of the table would be two or three people who are handling the cash and credit card sales. Right. So this year we just did two tables and it was at the front and at one side and with the books and the product just up there in their faces, they're more, they were more likely to just stop by and pick up a book and look at it. Awesome. And when, when we, when we had t-shirts, I mean the t-shirts, I I carried around t-shirts for two years and finally unloaded all of them. But I mean, I'm not sure if that's the best way to go for sales, especially a rock and shock. I mean, if, if you're going to give them away, you know, like buy two anthologies, get a free T-shirt. I think that might work, mm-hmm. unless you figure in the cost of the of the T-shirts, right? Which can get stupidly expensive. Yeah, so that's a good way to like get rid of things that are old merch at that point. Right, exactly. And one thing we did one year was people brought in like old comics or like old DVDs, and you know, buy this and this and get a free comic, buy this and that and get a free DVD. Mm-hmm. And I've I've also in the past I've I've brought like uh, some some action figures from my comp from my uh, my closet which has been hanging around collecting dust, mm-hmm. and when I put those strategic throughout the booth that would also draw people in, but I again it's it's all with how it looks if it's a you know a nice clean looking booth I think that'll attract people to it, mm-hmm. and blinky things shiny blinky things will draw people in. <laughs> Ooh, shiny. I need to. Oh, I'm talking to someone now. Yeah, I can see how that would work. <laughs> Works on me. And, and definitely, me. <laughs> definitely the uh, the closed booths where it's just like a table with the product just there for them to see. I found that people were more apt to actually go and check those out. Other, when ours with being an open booth where it's kind of a U, uh, people seem more intimidated to actually walk in because now they feel like they're being pressured for some sort of a sale as opposed to just browsing when you just have a straight table going across. Exactly. And one problem that we had when, when we did the U formation was because I usually do rock and shock with nine to 10 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would come in and they would just stand in the U. So mm-hmm. they were blocking tables and they were block, blocking product. And people kind of had to negotiate their way around them by yeah. doing the by doing the L shape, which we did this year. You know, it was just us in back of the table, and everything was right there in their face. I'm glad that you found another way of doing it. Have you found that um, different conventions have different needs as far as the setup goes? Like Rock and Shock, you mentioned was kind of a, a weird one. So are other ones a little bit easier? Like what have you seen in how you present your stuff and how that has to differ from con to con with we seem to be doing a lot, lot of rock and shock talk today but that's okay <laughs> that's just our uh, our one point of <laughs> reference at the moment so feel free to bring in other conventions i'm curious about necronomicon and some of these other cons that you've been going to what's the difference between uh from con to con what as you set things up and and what you experience with the people that come in 90% of the time for doing the group shows, I only have one table. And Rock and Shock is the only one I have a have a booth with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, aside from being able to, to hang stuff or put up banners doing Rock and Shock, when you're doing like a like a one table show, you have to try to compress 
four to five people in all their stuff into two racks on one table. And there's usually not a lot of space to put out uh, swag like business cards and bookmarks. Mm-hmm. So you have to get creative with that placement. Then everything's got to be on the couple of racks I have. And then it's got to fit on the racks. And then it's got to be neatly placed on the racks because I am so OCD about crooked books. It is sickening. <laughs> and then you have to make sure if, you know, have a nice tablecloth to put the racks on. And then you need something to cover the books at night because you're just going to leave them there. But then you need signage. Uh, signage, I, I'm going to put, I'm going to pin Vista print right now. Um, I get coupons in my email every day of the week from Vista print. And I had a couple of signs printed up and I, and just oddly enough, they happen to fit right in the back of my racks. Nice. Since I can't hang my banners usually, um, on, on the front of, of the two, of the two racks I have, we've, we've kind of jury rigged the, the banner we have to hang from the racks because there's virtually, there's no standing space in back of the mm-hmm. tables for any of these shows. So you literally have to tell people to go away and, you know, let whoever's got the credit card thing at the time or whoever's watching the money box to take care of the sales and for everyone else just to walk away and, you know, go to a panel, go see a, go see one of the uh, celebrities that's there, you know, just, just walk away, take a break. Cause if there's, you know, five people in back of a table and they're all kind of you know, staring open eyed for that next $15 sale. Yeah people are going to wander away and not come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely an overcrowded booth is also very intimidating for some folks. I've seen that at a lot of shows. And, you know, personally speaking, if, if I'm going to, I'm going to use Rock and Shock again. Mm-hmm. If I'm at Rock and Shock and I'm just kind of walking around, you know, seeing what's what. And, you know, by the second or third day, people are getting kind of anxious to, to get rid of their merch or just bring in that last sale. They're going to jump on you and... I I absolutely hate. I can't explain how much I hate it. I hate the hard sale. You know, let me look around. You know, meet. You know, make eye contact. Say, hey, how are you? This is my stuff. If you have any questions, just ask me about it. Mm-hmm. Just pretty much how I run my own tables. But when when people just jump up and down and you say, hey, we got these shirts for this. We have these books for this. We have these comics that do this. You know, and if you buy these, these, and these, you get that, that, and that. Nah you're more likely going to scare me off and I'm going to walk over to someone else's booth and give my money to them. So you need a, I don't, I don't want to say a, a quiet booth, but you need a calm booth. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're selling more than one person's books at that booth, then you should probably make yourself familiar with the other people there. So you're not going, yeah, this is, this book is Brown and um, it's got <laughs> stuff in it because people aren't going to like that. <laughs> I don't know. I do like the color brown and you the like books the with book. stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense is to be familiar with everything that's being sold, not just your own uh, books. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, 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 it is difficult to, you know, if, if there's 25 books, oh, yeah. you know, sitting there, it is difficult to say, hey, I know everything. And then... Mm-hmm. You don't, because someone's going to ask you a, like a detailed question about the book, and you're just going to kind of stare at them, kind of confused, <laughs> like I've done. Oh no! And again, I've... like it's fantasy, it's sci-fi, it might be horror. I don't really know. <laughs> Let me just read the back cover for <laughs> you here. <laughs> Actually, that's what I do. Is that I'll I'll try to read the back covers of some of the books before the show starts. Mm-hmm. And that way, I'm you know I'm not going blind and into the thing. 
Yeah, that I I feel like that would be difficult. Is just like, hey, what about this book? Oh, I haven't read the back of that one yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's find out together. <laughs> I mean, and, and literally with with the, the the show we're doing in in Rhode Island this this week and at Rhode Island Comic Con, blatant pimp. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm bringing five or six titles. I know one of my other guys is bringing five titles. Uh, I'm going to be bringing four anthologies from the New England Horror Writers, and I've got other people bringing you know four or five titles each. So it's going to be like, okay, which one am I going to read? Which one am I going to remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's the key part. I mean, I, I could read the back of a book, and then you know, eight minutes later, I see something shiny, and it's gone. <laughs> Those flashing lights, man, they bring people in and make you forget what you're doing. It's a good time. You no, know, I, I started buying flashy lights. Yeah. And it took me forever to find the um the battery operated ones. Mm-hmm. So now they come with me everywhere I go, but I don't know I think they attract they'll catch people's attention, but I don't know how well they do, you know, promoting sales and whatnot. But you know, they're kind of fun to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, it's kind of loud at conventions, but you've, have you ever played maybe like a section of an audiobook or something in order to get people a sampling of your work? No, I haven't. We we were actually going to try to do live readings one year. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And, and then we realized that we were going to have to be shouting. Yeah. Uh, especially I like Rock and Shock. Yeah. Because it's just so loud all the time and they're always playing music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can do shows like Necronomicon where they schedule blocks of times for authors' readings. Cool. Which is pretty freaking cool if you can get to them. Um, and I, I believe ReaderCon does the same thing, which is in July. I'm not sure when. I think it's the second week because it, it usually conflicts with Nikon. Mm-hmm. Where, where Nikon doesn't have, you know, like a schedule of readings. If people want to, they can just say, hey, I'm going to read this, this, and this here at this time and just if people want to come they can if not they don't have to and uh i can't think of the name of that other show there was there, there was a show in um in portsmouth called anthocon mm-hmm. it, it was a brilliant little show and it was actually a little smaller than um the nikon because the what happens is the, the hotel designates the size of the show mm-hmm. and the amount of people that can come so if they want to cap it at 150 they cap it at 150 because they have to worry about, you know, fire this and, you know, um, handicapped access that. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Which, which is why Nikon, I think, is, you know, sticks around 200. I think 200 is manageable. And back when they were at the uh, at Roger Williams University, it was the same thing. The, the university dictated how many people they could have. Mm-hmm. And I think it just kind of stuck after so many years that it was going to stay at 200 people. Well, then it just makes it a nice, intimate little con with 200 people. You actually get a chance to talk to, like, a lot of people at that point. You can um, talk to people. You get to know people. Um, again, you know, you, you can network. And the, the only uh, the drawback with, with playing audiobooks is that if you don't have a battery-operated, like, a boombox, a mm-hmm. boombox, God, I'm old, uh, <laughs> like a, a CD player or a tape player, is that you have to rent electricity from the hall, and that can be up to $300 for the weekend. Wow. Depending on where you're at. Yeah, it, it gets stupid. That, that gets expensive fast. You have to pay for Wi-Fi at shows. You have to mm-hmm. pay for um, for electricity, too. Wow. So um, 
backpedaling a little bit to an earlier part of the conversation, um, how has the social aspect of these conventions affected you and, and your work or how you approach your work? Hmm. That's another toughie. Um, <laughs> the, the only way I really can think is that of, of it affecting my writing is that going to these shows is fantastic for people watching. Nice. And it can give you ideas for characters or people you want to kill, you know, later on, depending. <laughs> and and also, if if you work retail ever, retail is also a great source of people you can kill off. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and you know, you if if you're doing anything like like scheduled writing, then you either need to bring your laptop or bring a notebook and just sit there and write during during the convention. And if it's a, you know, if it's time where you could, you actually just have to say, I'm going away, you guys watch the table, then just do it. If you're by this, you know, if you're by yourself, just open up the laptop and write. Um, I, I've gotten short story ideas at shows and I literally have to write them down really stupidly quick or else I, I forget. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm being particularly clever that day, I'll email it to myself, which is what I do now. Is that I just whip out my phone, I, I speak the email and I email it to myself. That works. And I find that's a really in- invaluable tool to, to just do that because that way you don't forget anything. Um, there's an app, I believe it's called OneNote, mm-hmm. which is for that type of thing. We can just like recite into it and it'll dictate. I'm not sure how much space it takes up. I know there's a small cost to it, but, you know, it's not much. It's a small app. Yeah. Um, and question for you. Nikon, is it like knee, like K-E-K-N-E-E? Um, or is it Mekon that you were saying? I just want to make Nikon. sure we... N-E-C-O-N. N-E-C-O-N. Nikon. Okay. The website is campnikon.com. Perfect. Thank you. But it's like a summer camp for grown-up writer types. (laughs) I want to (laughs) go. I mean, it it costs a lot because when you go there, you're you're paying for the hotel and Mm -hmm. you're paying for room. You're basically paying for for three and a half days of room, room and board. Yeah. So... You got to look at it that way. And then if you want to come for one day, you can do that too. Or if you want to commute, you can commute back and forth too. But I, I think I want, I want to say I've, I've been going for about 12 or 13 years now. And the contacts you make are, are just incredible. It's really worth it. It really is. Is that just New England con? Is it like a New England writers con? Like what is the convention? It is just Nikon. I mean, it, it's been going on for, I want to say, 37 years. It is a spinoff of World Fantasy. The guy who started it, his name was Bob Booth, who went by Papa Nikon. He unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But now his family is running it. Um, His wife is there. His daughter is there. His son is there. His grandchildren are involved now. That is so cool. And it it is. um, The the way I try to explain it, it's like Nikon is the family reunion you want to go to. (laughs) It's people you, you see maybe once a year, mm-hmm. twice a year, if you're lucky. Scott, what has been one of the most rewarding things about working with the New England Horror Writers Association? Um, you know, I'm just I'm gonna say making a lot of new friends through it. I mean, I, I wouldn't know half the people I, I know in the biz, for lack of a better term, if I didn't start if I if I didn't start if if we didn't take over when when we did. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I could give you a laundry list of people who, who I wouldn't know because of the NHW or, you know, for, for Nikon for that fact. But um, and, you know, being being able to, to put out anthologies 
featuring the work of these guys has been really incredible. We've, we've done, uh, God, we just did our fifth book. Wow. And the next one we're hoping is, is going to debut at Necronomicon in 2019. And hopefully we can feature some new people in it. Um, I'm very curious about how much does it cost for you generally to go to a convention and how much are you, are you at least making your cost back? I mean, I would imagine you are, but um, what is your general profit margin out of entirely curiosity? Well, the, the, the way I, I do conventions is that I buy the table and then I sublet space to the to authors who want to come to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm at least making my table money back most of the time. Good. Most of the time. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, doesn't always in- include gas or parking or hotel or food. Mm-hmm. So when I do shows, I like to do them. I like to do, do them kind of locally so like I can commute back and forth. Like for Rhode Island this weekend, aside from you know being at the NHW booth and chatting with the NHW guys coming, I've already you know I've, I've signed up for a couple of photo ops because I'm dumb, <laughs> and I have a hotel room and I have to pay for parking and whatnot. So. I'm not going to come close to re- recouping my losses from this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikon is usually a no. Okay. Just because it's not really a show for selling books. Um, the way the, the way Nikon works is that there's a dealer's room and, you know, you, you go in, you set up tables, et cetera, et cetera. You, you know how it works. Mm-hmm. And then they're usually there or they're not. But they also have like a free-for-all Friday night where all the authors can just put all, all their stuff and, and buy books too. Nice. But for like Necronomicon, I usually uh, I'll break even and I'll make a little profit. Uh, Rock and Shock, believe it or not, I, I make a little bit of money at Rock and Shock because I I, I stay with friends, mm-hmm. so I don't have to get a hotel room. Um, parking is usually split. Um, we split food, et cetera, et cetera. And so the small shows, I don't even, don't even make my table money back. So are the cons more about the social aspect and about? the promotion aspect so that you get it's is it more about growing your audience than it is necessarily about book sales um i'm gonna say it's like half and half okay um if if i actually had a clue and i started my own mailing list which i probably should do by now because it's been a thousand years (laughs) um you know it's you're, you're doing that you're letting people know what's going on what what you're doing um and that way you don't have to keep jumping into every convention you go to because you just, you know, hit send and, you know, the, the email goes out to your mailing list and they can see what new books you have out. Uh, you, you can link them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's, a, there's a big social aspect for it because, like I said, I, I do like hanging out with the people who go there. And, you know, even when the, the sales are so, you can either, like, plan something, you can write something, or, you know, do you just look forward to dinner and drinks afterward? <laughs> What's one of your favorite con memories, good or bad, Scott? Uh, Book-related or non-book-related? Either. Yeah, either. Just like okay. when I say con memory, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, one of the first things is actually it, it happened this year. Uh, I, I paid for a photo op with, with C.J. Graham, mm-hmm. who played Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th Part 6. <laughs> and we walked in, you know, he's in full costume, and he doesn't speak. <laughs> so he's basically he just grabs you and then kind of shakes you in front of the camera for a few seconds <laughs> and i mean i've, I've literally I've, I've seen all the movies i've been watching them since i was a kid 
and there's another show I did. Oddly enough, it was Rock and Shock. Um, <laughs> um, uh, PJ, not PJ Souls. Um, Adrian King from Friday the 13th Part 1 mm-hmm. was posing for a photo op with Sid Haig. <laughs> was in House of a Thousand Corpses. The guy's been around forever. He's done a million movies. Mm-hmm. If you get if you get to see him live, he's just a funny bastard. Definitely. <laughs> we've, we've met Sorry him. About, he Sorry about the testing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> But, the, you know, she, she was taking pictures for her website, and I decided I was going to sneak in a shot, and I got the picture, and he flipped me off. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but you so got I, it. I think, I think that's also a good con memory. <laughs> I would think so. Did he look angry, or is he just, like, kind of... Oh, he looked so mad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was so pissed off, to, you know, because, you know, they they charge, you know, table fees for, the, for taking pictures of, of them and, and with them. So that was like twenty, thirty dollars out of his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a, a bad one. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to Super Mega Fest, which I love the show. Um, we've been going for a few years. We do panels. We talk to everybody who comes to the table. Um, we we now do a, a free editing service, so people coming to the show who are writers, if they want to drop off like five pages of a manuscript, we'll edit them, hmm. and have it done by the end of the comment of the uh, convention. That was kind of fun. But I went to take a picture of uh, Sylvester McCoy, who was, you know, I think one of the Doctor, he was one of the Doctor Who's, he was in Lord of the Rings. And I asked him, it's like, hey, can I take your picture? And he's like, no, you can't. And in that very pretentious, pompous British tone. Oh, no. And then literally five and a half seconds later, he was posing for pictures outside of a fake TARDIS. You've mentioned this before. You had a whole laundry list of people that you wouldn't have met without these conventions and without the New England Horror Writers Association. Um, but what are some of the connections that you've made at conventions specifically that have really made an impact on you? Um, I'm going to go to Nikon this time. Mm-hmm. Since you know, Nikon is such a small, intimate show, I, I think I've met... Um, I got to meet Rick Howdle there and chat with Rick Howdle a bit over the years before he passed away. Um, he'd actually, what, a few a few years ago, I was looking for a a, um, a, a script um, agent, and he said, "Yeah, here's my home phone. Give me a call. We'll chat." And I was stupid not to chat with him. Oh no! And then another time, we were trying to, when when we were doing the, the first non-fic book, Shadows Over New England, there was one. He had a, a new collection coming out, and I wish I could remember the name of it. And we asked him, could you tell us what was happened where? And he printed out the entire manuscript wow. and sent it to us. And I, you know, I was just flattered by that, that he would do that. Rick was a hell of a nice guy. And if you haven't read his work, go read it. Uh, I met uh, James Moore, who I've hung out with now. I've met Christopher Golden there, who I've hung out with now. Uh, Tony Tremblay, who's got his own uh, got his own career going in writing. And he's got a... Um, He's got a show up in New Hampshire called the Talk Society, which is, uh, you know, goth style public TV. Mm-hmm. And I've been on that a few times because I'm a whore. And uh, <laughs> uh, Bracken McLeod, I'll drop his name because he'd like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bracken's a good guy. He really is. He, there's there's a, a ton of people who I've met through these things. And, you know, I wouldn't have known them otherwise. So, you know, it's, it, it's definitely enriching doing all the shows. So, Scott, another aspect of conventions are the workshops, uh, learning in a group setting where new ideas can be incorporated through audience participation. Uh, what is your experience with workshops at conventions? 
Um, I I like doing them and I like going to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm gonna again I'm gonna drop back to to, to Nikon. Uh, a bunch of years ago, I think it was one of my, my first times there. There was a, a cross genre panel slash workshop, and it was being headlined by uh, oh god, who was there? Uh, Chris Golden was there, and some other people were there. And I wish I could remember who it was. And I was so motivated after it that I went back to the courtyard of the college where we were staying at the time, and I must have written for like two hours. So you get the ideas from being motivated by them. And when you're actually doing them, I, I think it's just it's very cool that people will come to them and say, hey, how can I make this happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're going by our, our own experience. We're not going to say, hey, if you do it this way, you'll get a contract with Penguin or do it this way. You'll get a you know, you'll get a movie deal with Pixar or, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just passing along what we know. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean. We did um we, we did PortCon anime a few years ago, and I don't know if if it was just us there at the time, but we did three panels, and in each panel it was literally standing room only. Wow. Which you know it, it's not a huge con; it's geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. So I mean just just to have the support there and you know being able to talk to kids about writing, because they're the ones who are going to be the next batch of readers. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going to be writing next. So if you can get them any encouragement, give them any, you know, help them out with, with ideas or, you know, how to advance themselves, even if they're writing fan fiction, you know, it, it, it's worth it. Absolutely. Getting anyone to tell stories, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that was an anime one? Yeah, it was um, Port Con anime. Okay, so it was an anime uh, con. It, it's in June and it's it's in Portland, Maine. Okay. Um, so you go to horror cons uh, writer cons, anime, pop culture. Um, do you attend any others when you're not working or is it just like I go to cons when it is, (laughs) (laughs) I want to learn or is it just to promote? I'm just curious. Um, If, if, if I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to draw it back on on econ because even when I'm at the table, I'm, I'm still networking and I'm talking to other authors. Um, I'll, I'll do, I'll do single day comic book shows and, you know, maybe I'll move a few books and maybe I'll move some comics because I'll sell both to to make money, mm-hmm. to help with the bills and whatnot. So I don't sell too too greedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, for, from, for myself, I mean, I, I usually don't go alone, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When we did Necronomicon, I went, we did we went with friends and then I got to go to a couple of uh, to a couple of panels, and I usually never leave the table. I usually just sit there for the entire show. Um, and when we went to Necronomicon, we we did the uh, the Lovecraft bus tour of uh, Providence, and that was like that was really really wild. That was a good time. And they have a like a three hour walking tour, which it was just too hot and I'm too too grumpy to do that. <laughs> but for for the most part, if if I'm going to a show, I'm gonna en- end up you know, selling stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a show next year in, in Virginia called scares that care. Oh yeah. And, and I want to go to that one, but I'm not going to be dealing with it. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be going for the sake of going. Nice. Uh, when we were, when, before I, I bought the table for Stoker con, I was just like, you know what, maybe I'll just go in and hang out with people. But everyone's like, Hey, you're going to sell stuff and get a table. I'm like I wasn't planning on it, but <laughs> since now you we asked, <laughs> Now I might have to act, actually get like two tables because so many people want to come. Awesome. That's great. 
So Scott, this month is NaNoWriMo. Uh, have you taken part in this month-long challenge before? I, I have many times and nice. a couple times I have bailed. I will be quite <laughs> honest with you. Uh, a couple times I've written 50,000 words that are complete crap. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started last year. I wrote 10K and I hated what I wrote, so I quit, mm-hmm. which was better than me just you know, copying and pasting, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> For 50,000 words. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I've written two novels for NaNoWriMo. One is one is not good, and one I published a few years, a couple of years ago called Fountain of the Dead. Awesome. Which, you know, it I, I went through it a dozen times. It I sold it to, um, God, a, a Twisted Press, and then they had a little minor meltdown, so the, 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 the book sat in limbo for a year. Oh, no. And then when I got it back, I, I turned it around and I sent it out to Postmortem, mm-hmm. who have done the, the nonfiction books that David and I have done, and, and they bought it from me. Awesome. I mean, it needed a little a little bit more work edit wise, which they have a you know they have a staff editor, and I sent it to a couple of my friends, and they helped me out, you know, fixing things up. So I've gotten one novel out of NaNoWriMo, and realistically, I should be doing it now, but <laughs> just too much. Uh, wicked haunted uh, pimping and prompting and whatnot. Yeah, I imagine you wouldn't have a lot of free time this month. I I think Nano is a good tool to to teach people how to get scheduled for writing. Just sitting yeah. down from, you know, say seven to eight p.m. and just writing and, you know, not playing on Facebook or or not, you know, reading tweets or on the phone or anything. It's just you sit down, you write, and you reach your goals. And then if you don't reach your goals, the next day you're gonna work harder. Because you're falling behind the people who you're writing with. Normally people do it like in groups. Mm-hmm. So you're tracking each other's progress as you're doing the writing. So you can say, hey, Billy Bob's got 4,000 words more than me, so I'm going to beat him. <laughs> or, you know, th- that that type of thing. Yeah. it's The competition part of it is uh, what I am currently feeding off of. It's my second time attempting this and Alex's first time. But it's been a lot of fun and I'm it's the it's the social part that I'm really engaging with and what I'm hoping to get out of it is what you just said which is giving myself that regimented time to write so that you actually produce something. And even if all you're writing is I hate this I hate this I hate this <laughs> at least you sat there writing that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like even if you only turn out 500 words on, say, Monday, then Tuesday, you know, you've got to hit 2200. Yeah. And then if you only get out another 500 words on Tuesday, then you realize that your weekend is gone because you're going to have to catch up for two days where you didn't hit the uh, the word limit. Yeah. And there are there are write in groups you can get all over the place. If if you hit the the NaNoWriMo um, website. You can find local write-in groups. I know a bunch of my friends do it. They'll, they'll, they'll invade like a, like a Panera or a Starbucks, mm-hmm. and they'll just sit there and they'll write. Or they'll invade someone's house and they'll have like a write-in party where there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of chatting and probably a lot of wine consumed. But but you might get a couple hundred words in. <laughs> you might, I mean, if, if you can do it, if you can find a, find a, a good social group that does writing retreats, writing retreats are, are awesome. It, it's good it, when if you go to one that you have like a fairly firm idea, yeah, and that way you know what to work on. Otherwise, you're just gonna be sitting there, you know, reading your Kindle or watching Netflix or something. I can imagine that going with a plan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you feel that writing in a social environment can be helpful for writers to not feel so isolated during the writing process? Uh, I do, because you have people there right in front of you. Normally, it's people you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, you know a, a friend, a neighbor, or someone from your writer's group. Um, or you can, uh, you know, and if you have to, you can bounce ideas off them, too, especially for, like, writer's retreats. Um, I was writing a story a couple of years ago on a writing retreat, and I needed some information on nineteen uh, on the 1960s. So rather than, than sit there and just, you know, claw my way through all the crap on um, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. I talked to, talked to a couple of people on, on the group. They explained, you know, what type of coffee they would have, what type of percolator they would have, what type of glasses people were wearing. You know, what was the car, what was the cigarette, that type of thing. So it's good that way. And then, you know, if you want to go for a walk during one of the writing retreats, you say, anyone want to go for a walk? And, you, you know, you don't have to walk around by yourself being clueless. <laughs> but if you're walking, you know, if, if you're walking around with more people, that too, you know, you can, you know, just walk or, you know, chat. And, you know, you can pull yourself out of, out of that, that, that mindset for a little while. Yeah. Which I always helps, too. Is just sometimes you just have to walk away from it, you know, pace around your house, uh, you know, watch some bad TV, play some video games, watch watch some YouTube cat, you know, cat videos or something. And then sometimes it just clicks. <laughs> but, you know, when you're sitting there and you start typing and then when you look up and it's an hour and a half later, that that is literally the best feeling you get. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's such a good feeling. Um, by the way, speaking of good feelings... Congratulations on the launch of your newest anthology. I'm very excited to read it. The uh, Wicked Haunted looks amazing. And you launched that in Salem on Halloween weekend, right? Yeah, this is this is our, our second year doing it. We did we started it last year with Wicked Witches. Mm-hmm. Um, how that came about was we were... I've, I've been kind of hemming and hawing about doing Salem. And I, I bought the, you know, I, I bought, this, bought the space and then someone said... I won't mention any names, James A. Moore. Um, <laughs> hey, if you guys are doing a you know a thing in Salem, then it only makes sense. You should have a book on witches. So we 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 announced it. We had a seven week reading period, mm-hmm. and then it was editing and fighting and arguing over the stories. And then we got a we got a really really amazing cover for it. Yeah, you did. And you know, at the end, we just like you know what we have five stories left. We can't decide on them. Put them all in the damn book, and let's get this thing out. Nice. <laughs> and that worked out for us. And then for for haunted this year, I mean, it was the same thing. It was just like the the, the we we lost control of this book. I mean, there was just so much stuff going on uh, with with the group and personally. Um, there were you know health issues between some of the guys, and then mm-hmm. job issues with some of the guys and whatnot. And one of the guys adopted a two year old. <laughs> no, so he's you know he's, he's a little bit older than me with a toddler. Oh man! <laughs> like, um, you know, yeah. And you know there were, there was that, and you know we we got a giant book, and I I actually thought there was gonna be much bigger than witches was size wise, mm-hmm. and it's actually a little smaller. But this is the 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 first year where we added artwork to it, so we have three original artworks from some of our members in it. Awesome. Which is pretty friggin' cool. Well, that's exciting. We will link to um, those books because, uh, one, everyone should go check them out. Wink, wink. Also, um, <laughs> if nothing else, look at the cover art. I, I geek out over it regularly. Um, and do you want to just mention one more time some of your upcoming conventions? Uh, this weekend, which will be after it comes out, will be Rhode Island Comic Con. 
mm-hmm. which will be back there next year. Ooh. <laughs> um, in December, I'm doing the – oh, God, I'm going to get this name wrong. It's the Rhode Island Authors Expo. Mm-hmm. It's I want to I think it's December second and it's a one day show. It's just you know down and back, and you know it's basically hanging out with friends from Rhode Island when I'm down there, which is a good thing. And then we have a we have a two month break, and then in in March we're at StokerCon in Providence. And one of these years I'm gonna you know I'm gonna get to Boscone or I'm gonna get to Aresia and you know see what that's like. And then after StokerCon, man, it's it's just nonstop until next December again. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, October's our month, and I think we have a show, or we will have a show every weekend in, in, in October again. That makes sense. I mean, that's when your audience is just like, I really need this, like, right now. All of the horror books. Yep, I want them all now. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find you other than in person? Where can they find more about you and your work online? Um, you can look in the Doing the Horror Writers group on the Facebook I just said the Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, I really don't use Twitter that often. I should, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own website, which my brother maintains. Uh, it's www.goudsword.com backslash Scott. And it's not really writing oriented. It's just kind of it's a big nerd fest of, mm-hmm. you know, it's got my bibliography on it. It's got some appearances on it. And, um, you know, I'm all over Amazon. Um, should be on Goodreads. And I believe on library thing, but don't quote me. Mm-hmm. And there's one more place, and I cannot think of the name of it. And I, I think we've got a, a couple of titles up on uh, Barnes & Noble. Nice. We'll make sure to link to as many places as we can find in the show notes, which I'm pretty good at sleuthing things out, so we'll probably have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to mention? Um, actually, we're going to be up at uh, Pandemonium in, in Cambridge on November 18th. It's a Saturday from, I think, 7 to 9. Uh, I'm going to have seven to nine, seven to nine people there who could be doing some readings and, you know, we're going to be hawking books and they'll be available to, to sign stuff and they'll have some of their own work there. Um, Bracken McLeod's coming, um, Paul McNamee, uh, I can't pronounce her name, so Gam Betko, she'll be there, I w- you know, there'll be, there'll be a few others there. And... Um, you know, just gonna gonna keep plugging Wicked Witches came out last year, and uh, Wicked Haunted which just came out a couple weekends ago. Brilliant! Thank you so much, Scott. Yes, thank you so much, Scott. For having me, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so very much, Scott Goudsword, for being a part of our show today. For full show notes and information about Scott and the New England Horror Writers Association, please visit podcast.ninthstory.com forward slash s six. E10, that's season six, episode 10. And as we keep mentioning, this is NaNoWriMo month, and that's National Novel Writing Month. If you are taking part on the NaNoWriMo challenge, please let us know how you are doing or even contact us and uh, maybe we could be writing buddies. Eh? Writing buddies? Who wants to do a word sprint? You can find me on NaNoWriMo.org as Immortal Alexander. That's N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O dot org. And uh, I am Jeanette Andromeda on NaNoWriMo dot org as well. So find us, uh, you know, become writing buddies with us. We'll, we'll writing buddy back with you and just give you digital high fives or if you're local, actual high fives, because we're going to plan on trying to get to some of our local write-ins. 
I actually got to go to my first write-in ever at a Panera the other day, and it was uh, pretty cool. There was all of two writers there, but uh, it was still fun and interesting and engaging. I want to go to one. Can we have a write-in tonight? I mean, it's two of us in the same room. Does that count? <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> write-in time. This has been the Ninth Story Podcast. I'm Immortal Alexander. And I'm Jeanette Andromeda. We hope you stay motivated this month and every month. Stay creative, my friends. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Hello. Skype call testing service. Meow. After the beep, please record a message. Meow. Afterwards, Meow. your message will be played Meow. back to you. <laughs> Our actual cat is looking at us like, what are you saying? That is so rude. Stop it. <laughs> Our actual cat is looking at us like, what are you saying? That is so rude. I make cat noises to uh, attract my cats when uh, I can't find them. So I make a cat distress call, which is... Something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Please check your microphone and microphone settings or visit And then they come crawling out of wherever they are and I get Thank to find them and feed them. Skype call testing service. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.